You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Week in Review. Here are your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome back to the Collegian Week in Review, where we give you an inside look into Michigan's oldest college newspaper. We're your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. And today we'll be talking to Olivia Perro about Hillsdale's finest Paralympic shotgun shooter. Then we'll be talking to Tracy Wilson about the recent premiere of the Hillsdale College documentary filmmaking class students and the documentary that they made called The Price of Independence. And then finally, I'll talk to Lauren about the new Hillsdale College podcast network, as well as some work that the Hillsdale County Historical Society is doing around town. This is Maddie, and I'm here with Olivia, an assistant sports editor for The Collegian. And this week she wrote a story about a member of the shotgun team who has a bright future in the shotgun world and is potentially preparing for the 2024 Summer Olympics. So, Olivia, tell me a little bit more about this story. Yeah, so Sophia is a transfer student. She came from Concordia University in Nebraska um, after her shotgun coach there sadly passed away. She followed the Royers, who are assistant shotgun coaches here, to Hillsdale after they moved from Colorado, where she lived, to here. So she came with them. Um, She joined the shotgun team. Um, She made the Paralympic trap team that the Royers introduced her to. So she's gotten to go around the world to different World Cups and shoot internationally, which is pretty neat. What did Sophia say that she's experienced that's different about shooting at Hillsdale uh, from different places that she's been before? Yeah, we didn't talk too much about this, but I think from what I understand how the shotgun team here is, is that they're all very motivated because they have to get their academics done and they are very high achievers. So they put a lot of time in at the range. So I would imagine, she didn't say this, but I would imagine that they all push each other intellectually and with their sport to do the best that they can because the shotgun team here is very competitive. And I know that when they go to Texas and that type of thing, they want to do well and come home with good points. What has her journey in shotgun looked like? So she said she started shooting when she was 12. That was the first time she shot a gun. Her grandpa gave her and her sisters a purple 22 for Christmas. And then when she was 14, so a freshman in high school, she tried shooting American Trap for the first time. So she had to get used to shooting flying clays in the air. And so she said at first that was hard because they're coming from all directions really fast. But then one of my favorite things that she said is that by now it's just like watching paint dry. Like it's very easy for her now. She's done a lot of work. So what's it looking like in terms of going to the Olympics in a few years? So I talked with her assistant coaches for the Hillsdale shotgun team and they know her pretty well. So they know what she's accomplished and what she's capable of. And they said that she's a pioneer for Paratrap. So she has um, or a pioneer for Paratrap here in the U.S., so she has a really high chance of making it to the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Were there any other interesting tidbits that you learned about Sophia or about, you know, shotgun at Hillsdale that you weren't able to include in the story? Yeah, so her coaches told me that she's grown a lot. When they first started working with her back in Colorado about seven years ago, she was very quiet and She would listen to what they told her to, but she didn't talk much. And now here, 
after knowing them for a longer period of time, she's really come out of her shell and she's very witty and funny and she still listens and does what they tell her to do. But apparently now she can sometimes get a little sidetracked talking about cats or Minecraft is what Caitlin told me. So I thought that was funny. Well, thanks for sharing, Olivia. Thanks for having me on. You're listening to the Collegian Week in Review. This is Lauren, and I'm here with Tracy Wilson, the design editor of the Collegian. This week, there was coverage of the student documentary called The Price of Independence. And Tracy was in the class that made this documentary. And it is my understanding that she was the editor of the documentary. So she was in charge of kind of putting everything together. So first of all, Tracy, thank you for joining us. Why don't you tell us, I guess, just what this documentary was about? It's called The Price of Independence. And, you know, what was the story that you guys told? Yeah, so I was the director of The Price of Independence movie. Um, So basically, this film was about um, a story that I feel like everyone at Hillsdale has heard a lot about or maybe knows as just a fun fact. Um, but, you know, at Hillsdale, we don't take any federal funding. And the purpose of this movie was to kind of explain um, explain why we don't take any federal funding. How did that come to be? Um, so it was a very interesting to put it together and learn that there was maybe more to the story than people realize. So I know when you first heard that your documentary was going to be about how Hillsdale became free from federal aid, you kind of thought it was a little bit of an anticlimactic topic. So did your opinion change whenever you kind of started to do the research and learn more about the story? I think so. I think for me, what made me change my mind was just the challenge of presenting the topic in an interesting way, because so much of it depends on the legal matters. And so for me, it was as I was putting together the film, finding things that kind of brought it to life from a more human standpoint. So like, for example, um, in the film, like I found this piece of historical B-roll. So basically an interview from um, the 70s of this college student saying how um, he was black, but he felt like nobody treated him like he had any individual um, personality outside of that and so it was things like that that I feel like really brought the issue to life with like title nine um and things like that um because I think most people think that this story is just it was just like a board decision and that was that but there are so many people that have been impacted by title nine and by these various things and I think it was really cool to see how at Hillsdale um we've been able to treat people as individuals um and how the fact that we don't take federal funding reinforces that belief and allows us to carry it out authentically. Why was Hillsdale so opposed to Title IX in the first place? So I think it was just a matter of principle. Um, In the film, the uh, chief staff officer and Hillsdale alumnus, Mike Harner, was talking about how um, if we had complied, we would have had to take certain amounts of people from each race or each category that would have been on that Title IX form. Um, and how if we did, that would necessarily mean that we would be, we could turn away other people um, who would have been deserving. Um, one thing that he said that really stood out to me was, you know, 
from the very beginning, Hillsdale was about accepting all people. And he had this great quote. He said, what do we not understand about all? All is everybody. And I think that really is the heart of it is we've never been a discriminatory school. Um, And so I think not wanting to comply with Title IX is less about saying that we don't care about accepting all people. It's more about the principle of we already accept everybody. So why does it why should we have to count that or prove that? I understand that you guys had the opportunity to travel to Washington, D.C. to collect some pictures and do further research. So tell me about that trip. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, The trip was a great opportunity to um, film some great B-roll, basically just the footage of D.C. that you can put over an interview. Um, So we got to go to different parts of Washington, D.C. and film that B-roll. I know I filmed a lot of the Washington Monument, things like that. Um, And we also got to interview uh, Judge John Facciola, and that was really cool. Um, He got to give us a little bit more of the legal side of the issue. Um, And yeah, it was just a great memory. I mean, there was so much that we did for the class, but then we also had time left over that we could just kind of like bond as a class. So it was a great time. So like we've already discussed, you were kind of the, the director and the editor of this film. And I understand that you collected a lot of the B-roll. So like the pictures and the videos that were um, shown whenever people were being interviewed. And so tell me kind of what your vision was for this documentary and how you chose the pictures based off of that vision. Mm -hmm. So as I was kind of saying earlier, I knew that we had to really bring this story to life. Everybody knows about at least vaguely that this was, you know, involved some legal uh, decisions, you know, or that, you know, some board had to decide not to accept Title IX. But I guess maybe the part that people didn't see is the more human side of it. And so my vision was to bring that to life by showing just kind of all of the Hillsdale students that could have been affected by these decisions um, and to kind of evoke a nostalgic effect that would make the viewers feel like this could have been them. Um, so I went through a lot of the old Winona yearbooks. We had uh, one of the girls in the class, Olivia Highcheck. she checked out like 20 yearbooks from the library. And it's just funny, like the stack that's in the collegiate office right now. But um, we went through those yearbooks and I just had so much fun seeing the liveliness of the students, um, particularly from like the 70s and 80s. Like it was just so fun to put together those pictures um, because it just showed that Yeah, I mean, like the one thing that I noticed is like we really did accept all people and not just from an administrative standpoint, but I saw so many pictures of people of, you know, all different backgrounds who were just looked like they had so much fun together and they were just friends. And I think it was really a testament to our school that, yeah, it wasn't just a group of administrators or a board of trustees deciding that we needed to do this. It was already a part of our culture. And I think... I was able to show that through the old pictures. And just as a fun fact to add, um, almost all of the still photos um, in the documentary, all the still historical photos, almost all of those were of Hillsdale students. So if you get a chance to watch the documentary, I think that's a really nice touch because it's not just, you know, oh, these random 
pictures from the 60s, 70s, 80s. Like, no, this is our school. This is who we've always been. All right. Thank you for joining us today, Tracy. Thank you for having me. The Collegian Weekend Review continues. This is Maddie, and I'm here with Lauren, my co-host and the assistant opinions editor of The Collegian. This week, she wrote a couple of interesting stories for the paper. One was on the front page, um, and it was about the Hillsdale College Podcast Network, which is a new uh outreach branch of the college that launched earlier this week on Monday. So Lauren, tell me a little bit more about the podcast network. So it officially launched on Monday, April 17th. And I talked to the actually the new director of the Hillsdale College podcast network and general manager of WRFH 101.7 FM, um, Scott Bertram. And he told me that the purpose of the podcast network is to have a centralized location for all of the college's audio and podcast and to promote these podcasts and kind of um, bring the efforts of the college to life a little bit more um, because all of these podcasts currently exist, uh, but they're just kind of like scattered like on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and there's not like a one easy to find location for all of them. So the podcast network kind of exists to bring all of the podcasts in one place so it's easier for the listeners to navigate them and find what they want to listen to. What did Dr. Arn have to say about the leadership of Mr. Bertram? Dr. Arn said that Scott Bertram was an able shepherd and I couldn't agree more. I think that's a perfect description of Mr. Bertram. Uh, I understand that there was a specific show that uh, was associated with the launch of this network. What was that show? The Larry P. Arn Show. And even though the podcast network officially launched on Monday, the inaugural episode of the Larry P. Arn Show was not released until Tuesday. And this is the first time, or at least the first podcast I'm aware of, that Dr. Arn kind of has the mic all to himself. It's his own show. And the first episode featured an interview with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And Bertram said that it was a very interesting and unique conversation between the two men. And uh, Bertram hopes that Arn will continue to invite interesting guests who will talk about Topics of Enduring Relevance. So Dr. Arn is a podcaster now. Yeah, he is. He said another thing Arn told me or Dr. Arn told me is that podcasts are taking over the world. And he is excited to further the college's teaching by audio. How do you think that the podcast network is going to be able to help spread the mission of the college? Well, I think there's a reason why Dr. Arn said podcasts are taking over the world is because the world is so people are so busy now that maybe they won't have time to sit down and read a book or sit down and read something online or take a Hillsdale College online course. And podcasts bring the opportunity to learn about something new when you're on the way to work, when you're making your breakfast in the morning or when you're getting ready. And so it's very convenient. And that's kind of why they're growing in popularity. And so the fact that Hillsdale now has a podcast network 
means that they can further their mission with people who have very busy lives and otherwise wouldn't really have time to learn about Hillsdale. But now Hillsdale can spread their message to people when people are in their cars. Um, Maybe they have like a free hour and they're going on a walk. They can listen to an episode of Dr. Arn's show and or they can listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues with Hugh Hewitt and Dr. Arn um, or the K-12 Classical Education Podcast. And so it's just furthering the mission through a very convenient method. So taking a turn from podcast, we also wrote a story this week about something that the Hillsdale County Historical Society is doing right now. So tell me about that. What are their plans and what's the progress on this project that they're doing? I will first say that this was probably one of my favorite articles I've ever written in the Collegian, period. I had so much fun writing this piece. Um, So the Hillsdale County Historical Society received a $5,000 grant to restore the interior of the Will Carlton Poorhouse. They applied for and received this grant from an organization called Americana Corner, whose mission is to preserve American history and specifically their grant program is to help people around the nation to restore and maintain their own historical sites. So specifically for the Will Carlton Poorhouse, I was talking to the founder of Americana Corner, Tom Hand, and Hand said that poorhouses are a part of American history that are slowly fading away. I mean, just in 1987, the Will Carlton Poorhouse was going to be uh, demolished. But thankfully, Bob Evans Farm was kind enough to let the Historical Society purchase the poorhouse for a very good price, I hear. And so this is important for uh, Hand and his organization to preserve because um, the way America used to treat the elderly and paupers um, is very different than how we do now. Um, There wasn't welfare. um, And so it was kind of up to the community to take these people in and take care of them. And poor houses are a reminder of how we used to do that. What specifically is the Historical Society doing with this money? So I should say first that whenever they purchased the poor house in 1987, it was abandoned. And so they've already put in more than $100,000 of renovations into the poor house. And right now it's kind of like a museum from what I understand from Morgan Morrison, who is a board member of the Historical Society. But specifically with this $5,000 grant that they received, they are going to restore the interior of the poorhouse to be like one of those living history sites. And so their intention is to restore the poorhouse to look like it would have looked like back in the 19th century when Will Carleton would visit the poorhouse as an undergraduate student. And so... I think their main focus is going to be the bedrooms upstairs. They're going to be buying beds, um, dressers, like the sorts of belongings that would have belonged to the paupers so that when you walk in the poorhouse, it really feels like 
you're going back to like the 1800s and 1900s of whenever people used to live here. So why is this called the Will Carlton Porat House? Who was Will Carlton and what's the significance there? Will Carlton is an 1869 alumnus of Hillsdale College. And he was known for visiting the poorhouse as an undergraduate student to listen to the stories of the residents there. And the reason why we know that and it is remembered is because three years after he graduated in 1872, he wrote and published arguably his most famous poem, Over the Hill to the Poor House. And he took inspiration from the residents of the Hillsdale Poor House to write this poem. Uh, the poem is written from a perspective of an elderly woman whose children refuse to take care of her. So she has no other option than to be sent to the poor house. And it's a very heart-wrenching poem. And spoke volume back whenever it was published in the 1870s and so will carlton is kind of remembered for this poem and it all originated back in hillsdale michigan and in 1987 whenever the poor house was going to um be demolished and i according to morgan morrison it was going to be turned into a parking lot um the historical society was like no this can't happen like please give it to us because it's such a great part of American history, not only because it shows how we used to treat our paupers, but also because it's the literal poorhouse that Will Carlton visited that helped him publish one of the most famous poems in America at the time. And so in eight, in, in 1987, they, in honor of Will Carlton, they named it the Will Carlton Poorhouse. And that it's been known as that ever since and still today you can see the signs for will carlton poorhouse a lot of people today even in the hillsdale community don't really know who will carlton is other than the fact that you know one of our main roads is named after him um but he was a pretty famous poet at his time what would that have looked like to be a famous poet at that time so i talked to our professor of documentary filmmaking uh, Mr. Buddy Morehouse, and he gave me a really good simile, I guess you would say, that Will Carlton visiting your town in the 1870s would it be like Beyonce coming to your town to perform. And he said poets were like rock stars back then, which is kind of hard for us to imagine now because I think poetry, like some people would think is kind of more boring and who really cares? But I mean, back then, poetry was like if, if, if a well-known poet published a new a new poem, it would be like your favorite artist publishing a new song, and so that kind of speaks volumes as to how influential Will Carlton was back then. Well, thanks for sharing, Lauren. No problem. You have been listening to the Collegiate Weekend Review on Radio Free Hillsdale one hundred one point seven FM. We're your hosts, Lauren Scott and Maddie Welsh. You can find The Collegian online at hillsdalecollegian.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at hdalecollegian. You can also find previous episodes of The Collegian Week in Review online at cwir.transistor.fm. Once again, you've been listening to The Collegian Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. See you next week.